0: Hello and welcome to The Week at Work. My name is David Kibney and I'm your host on this very special episode where we talk to another of the ex-Debenhams workers who've been on the picket lines for eight months. This week we speak to Gillian McSweeney from the Patrick Street Cork store. The Week at Work is part of Left Block, an alternative media and political education project. We are an activist-based project and if you would like to know more about us, you can find out more at www.patreon.com forward slash leftblock. Without further ado, here's Gillian McSweeney to talk about the Debenhams strike.
1: Sure, Uh, Gillian McSweeney, and I would have had 30 years service on the 12th of April of this year. So on the day that I actually, that they closed the store on the 23rd of March, my uh, sales manager approached me and she gave me my certificate for 30 years, what would have been 30 years service They knew that obviously the shop was going to be closed then on a temporary basis um, because of the COVID pandemic. So 30 years long service in Rochas stores beforehand. And I just passed on with the fixtures and fillings when Rochas sold us on to Devlin's at the time. So I've served both
0: companies. Some some amount of loyal service um, Mm -hmm. discarded. Um, Can you tell us what store you worked in?
1: Sure. I worked in the Patrick Street store since the beginning. Um, I originally worked part-time. I started when I was in school and I did weekend work and then I passed on. I went in and I did secretarial work after school and didn't like it too much, didn't want a bit more of interaction with people. So I had stayed on the books. I remained on the books the whole time. So I never broke my service. So I went then to part-time, 20-hour-a-week contract, then went full-time, and got married went back part-time after i had my children so i did the whole circle and enjoyed work there loved work loved going in and meeting different people dealing with the public and loved the family unit that we had and there was a lot of long time service it was a very loyal staff you know we kind of few people moved on but most of my friends and my lifelong friends have come out of The business, the retail business and that store. My true friends now to this day are probably the friends that I've joined, that I've had in the length of time that I have worked there.
0: Well, I'm guessing that that's why you've been so solid on the picket lines is that you were all so close before this.
1: Yes. And if you were to come to our picket line and, you know, you would see the people and you would speak to them, they're all long-serving members of staff. They're people... Thirty years. There's there's one girl on our picket line, and um, she's forty-three years service. She is. A, she was a sales manager, um, and she's been there all her life. And she's on the picket line with us now. We're all 24, 27, You know, there's a few girls that are there kind of um, less amount of time, but maybe ten, fifteen years. But they probably then would be full-time workers. You know, they were the full thirty-seven and a half hour contracts. So they're the younger staff members if you like kind of most of the older are nearly all part-time workers now right. but we were all loyal we were there we were turning up every day and we loved going to work
0: so um how many workers were there in the store
1: um i think between the different now you had your concessions as well but there's 300 that were on the books for debenhams wow. but that would have include now when it finished up you would have had a lot of staff that were less than two years you know part-time work So that isn't a true reflection of probably the figures that are in the book now. They wouldn't have been entitled to any, um, you know, any payments after the job went. So, and then you had concession staff as well. And you had lots of concession staff in and out of the store. And a lot of those concession staffs are very long serving too. You know, the girls that were in Oasis and Warehouse, they've been working there a long, long time as well. So it was a knock on effect for all of those.
0: And would you guys have been close to those workers from Oasis and and the other concessions?
1: Yeah, I would have been because I worked in the ladies wear department. So they would have been on the floor with us. We'd have interacted. Yeah. And as I say, because they were long term, you know, they were long standing staff. You just your relationship grows with them all the time, you know. Um, And when you see you see people every week, you know, even if it's just good morning, how are you? And. You go through marriages, you go through babies, you go through, you know, you, you build a bond yeah. and you do.
0: Yeah. Well, let me get into the, the, the not so nice part of it. How, how was it that you, you personally heard the news that you'd lost your job?
1: Okay. My husband was in this office working and we were at home because of temporary layoff and COVID. The whole house was here. I have two kids myself, um, a 17-year-old and a 10-year-old and the breakfast pattern about and the next thing my phone started buzzing and I was like I probably wouldn't have been too up to date my emails there wouldn't have been much coming through my email life then believe me it has changed now but then there wouldn't have been too much and I just got I saw a text from a group that we have in the department and it was pick up your emails and I was like so I pick up my emails. So I thought it was an, uh, another email that we got from Laura Porter, our HR um, consultant. That you know something else was happening at the time. We were going on COVID payment, and we were trying to get all that organised. And you know there was the furlough scheme, and I thought maybe something else was happening. So I just I was out here actually in the landing, and I picked up the email on my phone, and I came into my husband, and I just went, they're gone. I said they're gone. And he was like, Who's gone? I said, Devonums are gone. I said, They've gone into liquid, they're going into liquidation. I said, and he said, everything. I said, everything. I said, they are closing the doors, they're packing up the Irish. I was trying to read through yeah. the script of it. I said, they've just closed. And he said, but you hadn't you were informed during the week about England going into we've been informed the week beforehand about England going into administration. And we had been told that no, the Irish, well, they are not. there's not a problem there. Everything is going fine. We'd been through administration previously, two or three years beforehand. And I was kind of getting used to this because I'd gone through the road to stores, all the drama that went on there as well. And, you know, getting your little bits of information. And, and he said to me, they can't be gone. I said, they are gone. I said, my job is gone. I said, 30 years. And I said, I have an email to show for it. Hmm. And a generic email. It was just a case of, here you go. This is it. So then the phone started ringing, and all the girls. Everybody was like, "I didn't initially get very upset. I didn't start crying. I was like, I, was kind of, I think I might have been in shock." Mm. Um, and then if one of the girls rang me. She was fierce upset, and I was saying, "Look, it'll be okay." And I, and then I was saying, "It can't be okay because our jobs are gone mm. in the middle of a pandemic." Mm. We're working in retail, which at the time, we were listening to it on the news. Everything was going upside down and inside out. And then to be put in the position that I will have no job to go back to after the lockdown finishes. Mm. Now, we were kind of sheltered, I would imagine, from COVID because we were at home.
0: Mm.
1: And then we were receiving um, a COVID payment from that point of view, the, the real shock and awe didn't come into play for a while because I kind of, I stood there and I was talking to my husband and he was saying to me, we'll be okay, we'll be great, don't be stressing, don't, and I was like, yeah, but my, my whole way of life, like I absolutely loved getting up and going to work. I worked three days a week. I was quite lucky in the fact that I had an old retail contract. I had set days. I had an awful lot to be thankful for, but at the same time, I showed up to work every single day that I was supposed to be there. You look at my sick record. I never ever, ever in my whole 30 years working, besides once, did I ever sign on for any kind of social welfare benefit. And that was when I was on my second pregnancy.
0: Yeah.
1: I had been there and then just to literally get this email. And, and then there was no face. There was no face to it. There was no being called into a room. You know, it was just, and then we were left. We were literally trying to ring one another, asking them, do they have any information? Which nobody did, because we all had the same information. The company was being placed into liquidation, and that was it. It was a cut-off point then. Um, we received a few emails from Laura Porter afterwards, and that was... You know, at the time, then it was kind to do with dates and different things like that. But there was absolutely nothing. Like we had John Bebbington, who is a director, an English director. He had been running Ireland for years. He had been our store manager. And I felt even if there was some kind of, even a postal letter, it might have been a little bit more personal, addressed to me, Mm. there was nothing. And I had heard about big business and, you know, this is the way they treat people and you're only a number and you're only this. And I said to myself, no, there has to be some bit of loyalty there for what we like. We, I know when Devlin's opened first in Ireland, you know, they opened on smaller stores and then they took over the Roche thing, but we got behind Devlin's, you know, it was difficult for us because we had had so many and roaster, stores was an institution hmm. and it was a different kettle of fish, to how you were to deal with a customer. You know, staff levels were brought down and the the level of service that we would have been trained in to give in retail. I won't say it was going out the window, but it had to change. There was a lot of different things and um, there was just lots of different things. And we got behind it and we did put our faith in them. Mm -hmm. And we had been told we were fine. And I think that was a real kick in the gut to be told one week everything is grand and then we started reading into it and where we got so upset and got so mad was they literally they dumped the irish business to save the english business yeah and then we were like and then we started finding out lots of little bit of details and then we were getting yeah. it was and then we all rallied around one another i have to say there was a few people in cork um, i have to mention valerie valerie conan amazing Madeline Wheeler was another girl Um, she wasn't a um, shop steward now or anything but she got behind her and then kind of it started rolling and we started getting information and just before I spoke to her I started going back on my phone looking for my emails and stuff and we started emailing tds and stuff I'd say straight away <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good.
1: once the shock and I think I have to say it probably took I think it took about three weeks for the shock to kind of, I was at home on a Monday evening and I just started roaring crying. My husband went, what's wrong? What's after happening now? I I was like, I actually can't believe my job's gone. Uh, And in the middle of the lockdown and all we were doing was going for a walk and coming back and having dinner. And and then I said, what am I going to do? where am I going to work afterwards and he said look we'll worry about this afterwards he said just make sure you're okay in your head we will be fine the kids are fine and I know in a pandemic then we were watching the news every night and we were looking at people's health and we were looking at people dying and it was horrendous and it is horrendous and we're still in that situation but I suppose in my own mind I'm like I I I I won't know where to go when I feel I'm actually worried about uh, the end of this lockdown when retail starts for Christmas
0: Mm.
1: I loved Christmas I loved retailing Christmas and I actually I spoke to the girls yesterday and I said to them are you organized for Christmas and they were like yeah you know I'm kind of and I'm saying do you miss the buzz? do you miss going into work and all the sales and all the you know it's 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 empty it's it's very empty and I do miss it I have to say, and I miss meeting my friends. Um, I know I'm meeting them now on the strike, on the picket lines. Yeah. Um, you know, different situation. I am meeting them, but I do miss going into work.
0: Yeah, in a warm, say. a warm environment indoors, no I rain.
1: Dry. <laughs> I actually said that. <laughs> a bit
0: I different. said,
1: "Was the weather always this bad? Was <laughs> it always this bad? Did well, I just look at the
0: window at that before?" <laughs>
1: oh my God.
0: Oh, sure and how, look, how, how was the company performing? do you think you 're in your store
1: uh, we thought very well, and um, we were being you know informed of figures constantly and um, we had been up. We could see by sales now, I know they were always in a sale, but we, on the other side of that, we always knew the markup on the clothing allowed for them to have sales, do you know I mean obviously now we couldn 't see the bare bottom line. But we knew there had to be markup that was letting them operate like that. And we knew England wasn't doing too well. And from the point of view of Patrick Street, we knew we had a lot of overheads that they had inherited. They had inherited, you know, the store, the, um, the leases, and how much the rent was. They had in store, they had inherited us as a staff who would probably have been on senior pay. A lot of our managers would have been long-serving managers that would have been on huge pay packets compared to what probably retail managers are on now. So they did start shifting around. They started moving a lot of our overheads to Maham Point. Um, our senior managers, a lot of them were moved. They were transferred. They had no option. They were literally told they have to go. And it was to try and bring all the overheads. But we were told we were still performing well. Mahon was in profit and we were nearly there. We were, you know, we were taking more, more money in Patrick Street But because of the overheads, we weren't breaking, you know, that profitability. But, I mean, I was standing on a till bank three days a week. I knew they were taking money. They had to have been. We could see stock was being replenished. You know, there was lots going on. They were bringing in new concessions. You know, they had lined up the, the shop to bring in new departments. You know, we'd kind of got, maybe they were saying that they were just going to rent space out. But, you know, their own brand stuff kept coming in. There didn't seem to be problems, and we were just going with it.
0: Have you been offered any jobs since, or have you been looking for jobs, or is it just you're focused too much on the strike, or what, what's going on?
1: Um, A bit of everything. I have done my CV course, and I have done interview prep, and all that kind of thing. Um, I had looked at doing uh, general consensus on the picket line, probably, I'm not going to go back into retail. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to take this opportunity, and I'm going to do something else um so I had looked at one or two different things in a bit of a situation I still have kids here and I still have school going because of my work hours it had all worked around that and I didn't have to have childminding I was moved I had moved beyond all that so I'm kind of going back to that stage if I'm going to do a course it's going to be a full-time course if I'm going to go back into retail the hours are going to be very different but besides that there's not many people taken on in this environment. There's people losing jobs rather than people taking, you know. Um, and if you're going to do courses, you're restricted with um, work experience because they can't get you into a different place. So everything, no matter where I've gone and I've looked at in the last couple of months, um, there's a little bit of a hurdle. And maybe I'm not in the right frame of mind for that yet. I feel this is very unfinished business. Um, I am on the picket line. I'm 100% behind it. I just feel we felt disrespected and there's a lot of people have left us down. We feel very hurt by it. So I am focusing probably on the picket line at the moment. Um, And I think with the COVID you're very, very limited. Some of the girls have picked up work, which is great. Um, I think I'd probably, I'm going to wait till after Christmas to put my focus into that. Right. I have definitely put my focus probably in the picket more so this year, you know, since it's happened. Um, it is getting harder because people are picking up jobs. We're out in really bad weather. We're trying to keep the morale up. Um, you know, people are taking a couple of weeks off here and there saying they just don't have the time at the moment. So, yeah, I will go back to work. I will sort myself out, but I have definitely have taken a break. I have never, like I said, I have never claimed um, any kind of social welfare in my life. So I just feel 30 years, my husband is working every day, God sends here. Um, So I'm going to give it till after Christmas and then I will, my focus will have to change.
0: Yeah. and Tell us a little bit about the strike then, the the shifts. How long are your shifts? How many shifts do you do a week? What's it like on the picket line?
1: At the moment, I'm doing three shifts a week. I do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I do the early morning shift. We start at six. So I'm living in the suburbs just outside the city. Um, So I leave home about quarter past five after I've made the lunches for the school and done all that. I get into the car, go in, we bring our coffee in. Um, We generally have three to four on the early morning, but then from about eight o'clock on, you will get more people because once kids go to school, And I would imagine probably 75% on the picket have kids going to school now. So their priority changed in September when the kids went back to school. The numbers went down, but they started to come back up again. So our shifts are 6 to 11, 11 to 3, and half 1 to half 6. And then we do an evening shift from half 6 to 12. And then... We haven't done consistently overnight, but sporadically we have done overnight if it has been busy in the building, depending what KPMG and the security are up to. We have been fairly well marked and they have us marked as well. <laughs> so we kind of get the vibe early in the evening. We know what's happening. So I you know the twenty four hour consistently is very, very hard to maintain. Um yeah, it would be. Uh- yeah, yeah. And we like the 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 daytime we have a good amount of staff that are covering for us. We have, you know, like we do a crossover. Say I don't finish till eleven, but you have people coming in at nine, you have people coming in at ten. So we could have the crossover shift. You could have eight to nine people there at some times of the day. Then it might go down to four to five, and it goes up again, and then it go back down. So they're very dedicated, I have to say. You know, people have been. We've been very COVID aware, though. We had to be very covid aware because we were worried about publicity wise we were saying you know uh, people are going to say look at them down there but we're socially distancing all the time we have our own sanitizer on the lane and um, that we have a pump system there and um, you'll always hear someone shouting social distance move away from one another and our picket our picket boards that we've had for mandate um, at the beginning they were hard to kind of go because we didn't have that many. But now we are up to the stage where everybody has their own picket board, and um, you keep it for yourself. You yeah. put it in the boot of your car. You bring it home to you, you. Do whatever. But we have other ones then that we have placed in areas around the um, the lane, and um, we spray them every morning. We go in six o'clock. The gloves come out. They're sprayed, disinfected. We're ready to go for the day. And um, we've had no COVID on our line at any time. We might have had one or two that have, you know, from home or whatever that have had to step away for a while but thank god thankfully we've been fine
0: right. we're very organized are <laughs> and i've noticed that since the start like uh, it's not just your store, there's a uh, so much going on and it's yeah The great part of it is it's such it's so self-organized and um, you're mm. doing it yourselves and you don't need anyone to give you this advice now you're just doing it so it's great
1: yeah that's another thing we didn't have anybody to give us advice at the start mm. you know um, I was there the first day that we literally ran to Mandate and got the picket boards. Um, we had stopped um, a truck coming out of the yard, and it was a case of, okay, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we manage this? We would say, do we sit on the floor? Do we lie down? Do we what? So I would say, from our shop steward point of view, our senior shop steward, we couldn't have organized it without Valerie. Yeah. She's been amazing. And Madeline as well behind her. Um, they've been a great strength. And they've they got their information. You know, um, they got organized. They got mobilized. They, they, I don't know how. Like, I know Valerie would have had interaction, a lot of interaction with Michelle and with Jane and with Mari and Blanche and with Carl and Tala. Um, and they got their Zoom too. They got their, their groups together. And they did. And between them. And um, we did get extra help, I have to say. We got help. Um, Nick Barry in Cork has been a great strength to us. He's been there for us since the beginning. Questions we wouldn't have known how to answer. You know, he's been giving us a bit of... Now, we're very independent as well. Yeah. We, we're not silly. Yeah. We know this is our agenda. And this is what we want, you know. Um, so, yeah, and like you said, in Dublin... They got very mobilised there and, yeah. and there, was, there was a strong unit in each shop and a bill from there.
0: Um, ha- have you become more politically aware since the start of all of this?
1: Most definitely. Now, I am living in Cork City, South Central, and my constituency, um, my local representatives are Michael McGrath, who's living in the town that I'm in, Simon coldney who is living in the town that I'm in. And... Donico Leary, who has his constituency office in Cargillane as well. So we have three big players really? and all their constituents office- offices are literally a stone throw from me here. And then we have boss, we have uh, Michal. So they are my local representatives who, when I started emailing them, um, Michael McGrath did respond to me. Um, I won't say favorably. He, you know, it was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear about it. I can, we'll see, can we do anything? But never came back with any kind of information to us. Simon Coveney never returned an email, not once. I got one back from his secretary. I could give you the date of it. And it was telling me that um, she was made aware of the situation. She had passed on the information to him and they would then be passing it on to the department, the relevant department. So that was it and I kept emailing him, and I have a record of them, and I will be waiting for him to come and knock on my door. Um Leary has been good to us. He has been very good, and Michal, I wouldn't email him, now I leave that kind of up to Val and Madeline. but I was one of the girls that went to meet him um, in his offices when we did get a meeting earlier in the year. Bad so video. again, you know, very nice, softly, softly, but did nothing. Yeah. Um, Mick Barry has been a strength an absolute strength um I wouldn't have been aware of maybe I was plodding along and I probably was, I was plodding along in life I thought Fianna Foyle was doing what they were supposed to do for me I had inherited it from my parents that was probably the way I voted even though I was up outside the conference center when um when he was being sworn in that day. And I tell you, I wasn't shouting for him, even though I had voted for him. I was standing next to Ruth Cottinger and I was standing there with Michael O'Brien and all of these people. And they were saying, oh my God, and I was saying, I said to Valerie and Madeline, please don't tell them we actually voted for him. (laughs) Please don't tell. (laughs) You know, it has changed my outlook on things completely. Mm. And I will now be looking for the independent, the person that will do the work for you on the grassroots Mm. you know i did say michael McGraw was particularly good in the locality here until he got to where he is now Mm. and then it's just like a stone wall yeah it's you know nicely nicely oh we'll see what we can do i was on a zoom call with him in i think probably may there was myself and madeline there was suzanne sherry from the henry street store Suzanne is well up on her figures, as I'm sure you might've heard. She had all the facts and figures. And at the time we had a big question mark over the online sales, you know, that we had been told originally that the online sales, the money was going directly into the Irish business. And you know, like there was 30 million the last time they checked the figures from the online. And then all of a sudden it was gone. The money was gone. They were taking it to the English store or to the English company, and it didn't belong to us anymore. So from the point of view of Michael McGrath, his background, accountancy, he had said he was friendly with um, Kieran Wallace or Andrew, I can't think of his second name on KPMG. He put a call in, you know, things like that. We asked him direct questions about facts and figures. And Suzanne was there. I was on the call with them, and he said he'd come back to us. We had three things that we asked him. and um, The online was the main thing. And to this day, we never got a response. It's, it's just opened my eyes completely. Do you know, we have looked into KPNG, all their different goings on here, there and everywhere. And you're like, the state hire them. It's a knock on then, right? We found with trying to get coverage, publicity, RTE. Like their administration was done by KPNG two years ago. Do you know, um, they're called, no matter where we go, you turn on the lotto. And they're they're overseeing the lotto. And we were saying, because we were slagging, you know, great camaraderie on the picket line. You have people, fantastic support from the court people. Public have been amazing. Like they're, every day you're getting a lotto ticket, you're getting money for a coffee, you're getting this, you're getting that, and there's one particular gentleman. And I have to find, I have to say, it's probably gentlemen of a certain age. At the end of the week, they come into us, they have a little tenor folded up, They're giving you the tenor. They're saying that's for a few coffees. They've come from the generation, the strike generation, and they're interested. They're asking you, they're saying, are they doing anything? And you know what you have to do. And you know what you have to do here and go to this. And you're saying, look, we're trying, we're trying. And we had the v Cortex gentlemen that were coming into us. They had some very interesting suggestions of what we should do. We were like, we're predominantly women here now, we kind of we can't put ourselves into that kind of situation, you know. We yeah. kinda of have to go home and make the dinner, you know. And they're like, I said your wife was probably at home making the dinner while you were locked in in the fetal cortex and there was no problem. It's it's and because we're mostly women on the picket, I did say to the girls a couple of weeks ago, I said, I often wondered if it was a male picket and if it had gone on this long, would they have been left there? I think because it probably would have been a more aggressive picket. I'm not saying, you know, they'd have overstepped the mark or whatever, but they would have had the strength. We kind of felt some days, even the security that would have been going in and out of the building, they would have been quite intimidating to some people, mm-hmm. you know, the quieter girls, you know? So like when we, when we're a man in the building, we have a lane that we cover. That's where the truck's coming in and out. Then we do the security door And then there's another door out in the front of Patrick Street. So if we have five people on the picket at one shift, you have the lane is probably the most intimidating because if you had a 40-foot truck coming towards you, so we try and keep two to three people there. So you might be on a security door on your own, you know, and you're like, they were beginning to get a little bit intimidated by people. Now, we didn't go down the route of, we weren't going to be taking pictures of them. And, you know, we wanted to try and keep it some bit... Because we didn't want to be putting people in that situation that if it got any bit aggressive or confrontational that they'd walk away from the picket. You wouldn't blame them in some cases. But I often wondered, and I don't, you know, coming from a woman, if it had been a male picket, would this have been sorted?
0: Yeah. We'll no, never I'm... know,
1: obviously. But, yeah. but my whole view on everything has changed. You know, yeah. um, and like that now, uh, we are now watching I Rock This Live, channel 517, I tell you. It had never been on in my house. But, I mean, out of a bad thing came a good thing as well that it brought, me, made me more aware of things. Yeah. You know, and for my kids coming up behind me, that's just, uh, in the fact of, you know, the Duffy Calville, we're saying, okay, if we get nothing financially out of this, which we don't know, we're hoping and we're praying, Two plus two for Christmas and the whole lot, but if we get the legislation, you know, if we get that passed, get it implemented, okay, it's going to stand to my children, yeah. you know, if they work in the private sector, you know um it, it, it's something that will always be there, yeah, and it needs to be there, like the workers like I would have seen strikes before, and I would have been interested in them, but now I would have a completely different view on a strike, yeah. I would be like. And my whole household has, and my whole family, you know. Um, it's like, even my mum would ring me every day, and I suppose maybe it's ignorance, and she's like, did you get so hard to jet? And i said, no, it's not going to happen that fast. You know, but, and that they bad. have. <laughs> 24 yeah.
0: days, I fact. know.
1: <laughs> and my dad, my own dad would have come from a Ford's background, and they would have had striking, yeah. you know. I mean, they would have. And I said to him, and he, he said to me from the outset, I don't know, Jill. I don't think you'll get anything. But I said, look, Dad, and I did speak to him a couple of weeks ago, I said, even if I get nothing financially out of this, at this stage, I will get my own self-respect back mm. that we stood up, we didn't lie down. We didn't take it from a huge faceless company. And there's two faceless companies in this now. There is Devlin's first and then there's KPMG. Mm. And we always felt, which is the bigger enemy?
0: Mm. You know, and, and then the government.
1: And then the government.
0: Well, I'll try and wrap this up because i know you've okay. got stuff to do um so you mentioned about the public support i, I was going to ask what kind of support you've got
1: um, amazing
0: what what do you think needs to happen to resolve the dispute now
1: two plus two um i'm well there has to be some kind of concession from kpmg there has to be something i know they're saying the only place the money is going to come from is the government I do understand, I'm not silly, like I do understand the way they're talking that they can't set a precedent on this because it's going to open up for liquidations that have previously been there and future. They need to implement the Duffy Cal. I think a legacy, that would be a great legacy for us. You know, it would be something worthwhile. Obviously, financially, this is why we're here. We wouldn't have been out here otherwise, you know. Um, Where that will come from, I don't know. I think, like, we've had a constant battle with the environment we're in with COVID. There's something there every week knocking us off, you know, the headlines. There was, like, there's COVID and there's this, and then there was Golfgate, and then there was Leo the League, and there was... there. No matter where we turn, there's a story bigger than us. Yeah. And this should be a huge story. Yeah. It should be. I mean... If it was in a normal environment in an everyday world, it probably would have been sorted with. We're fighting as well for the stock. They've underestimated stock. We know for a fact there's 14 million euros worth of stock in cosmetics alone. Now, they will sell it and they'll sell it on at probably cost price. So that's where they're getting their bottom line price from. Like There is scope there. That's just cosmetics. And that's what they're trying to get out of the buildings because they're trying to take that and what we reckon is they'll sell it back to the english company and they'll just sell it on at their you know with their margins again so like it's it's a vicious circle we don't know who we're fighting but there is money in there there's stock in there and it should be sorted like if they sold the stock at a decent markup there would be money there we're not asking for the world it's not a huge amount of money i know in the scheme of things people hear 10 million 11 million and they're like jesus look at them but like it's 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 not a huge pot of money government wise will they back down and will they give us some of the money of what they're owed i don't know i i we've tried to build the pressure we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we've got so far and then it just it kind of wanes again and they kind of leave it go away for a while and then we build and build and build and build you know um Sinn Féin are coming in behind us now whether they can make any difference you know
0: hmm.
1: hopefully my I what I want out of it is obviously financially I would be quite happy the girls will tell you all I want is a new steel tech shed out the back garden <laughs> so I said I can get up every morning and open my blinds and go KPMG, I got that out of you, you know. <laughs> um, and the the Duffy can needs to be implemented. Yeah. It it for all workers. Yeah. You know, I mean, the time they did the the workers is it the Employment Act or whatever in 1990, and everything changed. So you you've no you, workers have no rights. No. And it's a very strange world now. and It's a very individual world. No one, and I know, why I said it to the girls. We can't complain. The girls in Marks are passing us every morning. The girls in Hollands are passing us. We've, a few Komodo pennies come down to us. It, there's no strength in the strike. There's no sympathy. Everybody is doing their own thing in their own world.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you know, Mark's approached us the morning and they started getting very chatty the morning. Do you remember there was an announcement there was so many staff going to let go on Mark's?
0: Yes. yes. All of
1: a sudden they were awake and they were like, they wanted to know more about things. Yeah. We live in our own worlds. I suppose that's everybody. We're very sheltered. It needs to be... Mm our workers and especially low paid workers retail workers it's there needs to be strength there
0: um right okay i'll ask you one last question mm-hmm. uh, well i have two questions but i'll put them in one so have you any stories from the picket line any anecdotes um, anything strange happens that you've enjoyed and laughed at or you know
1: we laugh all the time yeah
0: we but, uh, in the
1: rain last week we were, we put up our videos of us all singing in the rain jesus um <laughs> The time of the, when, when they went in talked by the building, I was here. I got up. We were all organizing and mobilizing and we had the girls come from Chile and we had whatever. We were living on our nerves because uh, we, like, where we have all come from, very law-abiding people. We've dot the I's, crossed the T's. We have voted. We've paid our taxes. This was like, I, was, I told my husband the night before. Now, I couldn't commit to going in myself because I had kids and I was in a different situation. I just said, I will be there for you outside 100%. I'll do what I can do. But the crack, the morning, I don't know. Can you actually tell this whether we should? It was so funny. It had been all orchestrated and I got up at four o'clock. I drove to Cross when I collected one girl. I drove to Ballygarvin I collected Valerie. The girls were there from Tralee. Someone else met them. And we all met at the lane. And there was a big drama. And we had our ladder. We knew where we were going in. We were all set. We were going down. And they went down. And they put the ladder up. And the ladder was too short. The ladder couldn't reach the top of the roof. And I was like, and we were like, there was two big 40-footers inside in the loading bay. There was a man from Marks and there was a man from Super Value And they were just standing there with their jaws on the floor. And would you believe someone looked down and on the ground, there was a ladder there that had been there all the time. We didn't you know where the ladder came from. Just like a gift from God. They picked the ladder up. They put it out to the building. They climbed up onto the roof. Went in the window and off they went. I was like, Where, Who put that ladder there? It was just a ladder that was lying covered in moss and grass and everything. We laughed so much about that ladder. It was, it was, it was meant to be. They wouldn't have got in there if they had the, the ladder that we'd brought was too short. <laughs> and the man from Marx was like this. And the man from Super Value went, I've gone home to my wife. And I fucking told her, you're mental. And fair G, I I hope you get what you're looking for. We were all like, yay. We all... I got back into the car. I drove home and I brought my kids to school. And I was waiting for the radio. I got home. I got back to Cargilline for about seven o'clock. And we couldn't eat. We couldn't drink because we were waiting on the guards to come and see what was happening. But again, Valerie was very controlled and organized. And she the whole situation sorted. So it was grand. But that ladder, we still talk about that ladder to this day.
0: The, the stairway to heaven.
1: Oh, good, very good. Very good.
0: Oh, brilliant. Um and the last thing I was gonna ask you is yeah. what has the whole debacle taught you, if anything?
1: Um I don't know, it's kind of interesting. I w- I won't lie down anymore. I won't take the norm. I question more, you know. Um it made me angry at the beginning. It made me very angry and I wouldn't be that type of person. And I'm a, the girls will tell you, I'm like, if something is going on and Valerie could, she might get a little bit stressed and I'm the person that will go, lads, forget about it now. Look, walk on. There's no point in us arguing here on the picket. This is all voluntary. No one has to be here. We don't need anybody walking away. You know, when things, I think that's my role. I've kind of been the person level-headed and said, you know, everybody calm down. It'll get sorted. Um, I would question things a lot more. Politically, I question everything in that s- s- realm again. I won't be, I'm a person now that has Ruth Coppinger and Paul Murphy, and I've got all these people, these independents, and I love watching them question um, everybody in the Doyle. It, it's made more life. It's made life interesting, probably. I miss my job. I do. And I miss my friends. And I am very afraid of what's going to happen when the picket ends. I think, you know, psychologically, a lot of people will find it hard because we have people on the picket and it's keeping them going, coming in. I don't know what they're going to do when this finishes. And financially, I mean, as well as that, like we were still waiting on it. There's some people still waiting on their statutory redundancy. And I worry for them because they're going Christmas. I'm not in that situation, thankfully, but you know, Then again, who's to say my husband's fabulous job that, you know, he thought was a lifelong job won't go next year. I question things more now.
0: Yeah. You need to prepare a little bit more.
1: Yeah. And I mean, when in this world did we ever think we would have a global pandemic and we would be locked in our houses?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's It's a
1: strange, it's a strange world now at the moment. I think, but you can see that everywhere. You can see that with Trump in America, and you can see that with Boris in England. Um, and even politically wise, you know, I've, I've had a huge interest in the American elections this year that I mightn't have had before. And I've questioned it more. And you're saying, OK, Trump is off his head, but is Biden going to be any better for them from that point of view? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You know, whereas before I would have oh, yeah, whatever, who got in? And, you know, yeah. you question things more, I suppose.
0: That was Gillian McSweeney. From the Patrick Street Debenham store, who was made redundant eight months ago and has been on strike ever since, fighting for a fair redundancy package. This has been The Week of Work. I've been your host, David Gibney. The Week of Work is part of Left Block, an alternative media and political education project. If you want to know more about it, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash leftblock. If you want to support us, you can do so at that same link. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, share, and tell your friends about our project, and we'll see you soon.